Hey friends, welcome to Play Along Podcast, the podcast where we play through games. I'm your host, Jared, and today I'm with a squad like normal. You know him, you love him. He's the indie man himself, the apple of my eye, Kai. Ben! Oh, it was me. I didn't know. <laughs> yes, hello! And he's the man, the myth, the legend, the Brit that just won't quit. Ben is also with us. Ben, how you doing? I'm good. I'm liking that title, man. I'm going to have to take that. You know, you guys, I'm just, I'm giving you your due diligence here. You guys work hard on this, uh, on this podcast. So I want to really give you your accolades that you deserve. So yeah, much you, energy. You sound like you're like introducing the first round of like the play along podcast boxing match or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kai and Ben will be fighting each other. So be prepared for that. I fight uh, like a 1920s flapper, just hey, all underhand yeah. punches. Uh, I do the, um, you know, like the proper old school British boxing where the fists are like inwards and you aren't, you know. That's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, then we're going to have, have proper fisticuffs. It'll be both of you just doing that, circling each other, but never actually fighting. <laughs> He's going to be really surprised when I slap him with my white glove. Uh, I would love to see that. Anyways, uh, this isn't about Kai and Ben fighting, even though I would love to see that. This is about Kentucky Route Zero. And we'll get to that in a second because we have some housekeeping. We have gotten much love recently. We are almost at 100 followers on Twitter. So thanks, guys, for... All the support and 100 followers and 17 people in our audience 17. so you know hey you know what we gotta appreciate this we gotta appreciate those 17 people hey ben came with the uh air horn this time wasn't yeah you? it wasn't me yeah i'm not the only hype man but a couple people <laughs> specifically uh the main quest podcast and mk podquest both have been kind of shouting us out and giving us some support on instagram and twitter so thanks guys go check out their podcast if you like mortal Kombat podcasts mk pod quest covers really everything mortal Kombat, so go check them out they're awesome but today we're playing through mortal Kombat. <laughs> we are not we're, we're talking about the are you gonna like skip over the factuals on desert island games like oh hey guys i was on the episode of desert island games and he was, was gonna great. skip over that i totally forgot about that um i was it, <laughs> it was, was great it was great richard is he's such a cool dude he's really fun he it really made me feel welcome on his podcast and I dropped a lot of hot takes on there. So if you're into unpopular opinions, go check out that podcast. Because mm, it was yes. fun. It was fun. I have I listened fun. to it. and it's. Uh... <laughs> I won't spoil it for you, but go check it out. It's great. Desert Island Games. Uh, now that all the housekeeping's out of the way, we can get to Kentucky Route Zero. Um, guys, what, what happened? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. This, this... What happened? <laughs> so Act 5 took like i don't know it just took like a whole left field and just just came out of nowhere it was completely yeah. different to the rest of the tempo of the game and the rest of the play style as well i mean kind of uh, what, what were you guys' feelings like going into act five i mean there is kind of a lot of build-up from these first four acts and the act four ended with this you know very ominous spiral heading up to we don't know where but i I think I was like I was expecting more, but I think we kind of talked about that last episode. I too. knew I was gonna be unsatisfied, but yeah. I didn't know how unsatisfied I was gonna end up being. And mm. it's, yeah. it's yeah, going into it. Sorry, I was just gonna say like yeah, I I expected almost all of Act Five to be like a rescue mission for Conway. Mm. Mm. So you were you were really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, well, I I expected, you know, either them to try and rescue Conway and him to be like, no, this is like this is my fate. You know, I accept yeah. what's happened to me, 
or that they like do some sort of like jailbreak situation and be like you need to come back even though you might not realize that you need to break free of your chains exactly yeah but um i mean we'll get on to what happened to conway because i think they they kind of allude to to what happened i think if i if i was understanding it correctly mm-hmm. um yeah. but yeah it's act five was strange I actually very enjoyed um, the the interlude. The interlude was very good. Yeah, I think so too. But I think again, it's still it was still more of that like a little bit before you know like once the ending of Act Five came, you're like, oh, that's we're done. That's yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's all. So let's start with the interlude. So yeah, the the interlude before Act Five is called Un Pueblo de Nada, which, Kai, what does that mean? <coughs> the, the town of nothing? The, what did you think it meant? The house of nothing. <laughs> All right, look, I was close, okay? I was rather... I con- the nada. <laughs> rather, <laughs> right, exactly. rather, rather convinced the Pueblo was house. And I know, Mikasa Sukasa, and I should know that, but, you know, we all have our faults, and okay, not will. knowing Spanish, apparently, is one of my many, so... <laughs> Uh, but yes, Un Pueblo de Nada, the town of nothing, correct, is the uh, the name of this interlude, and it's it's interesting because it it starts off and you're in this small recording studio. Um, looks like you're kind of recording a like news station, it's like a community broadcast, yeah. community broadcast, and ba- broadcast, <laughs> broadcast, <laughs> broadcast, uh, and you're playing as Emily, and the the controls are interesting because it's kind of a it's very close in, almost like over the shoulder. It's an over-the-shoulder 360, like, yeah, like point and click. Emily always kind of stands in the middle of this room, and you kind of can circle it almost as if she's kind of like the camera, and you're moving around her, and there's different things you can interact with and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, How would you guys feel about, like, just this gameplay? Like, it, it, this game's interesting because it still, at the end of Act 5, continuously changes how this game is played, like, as we go through this game. Um, I mean, I... I'll be honest. I wasn't a massive. I liked the the style of the gameplay. Yeah. Um. I felt like it was much more true to what I was expecting the point and click to yeah. be. Um. The one thing I didn't like was that I couldn't. It took me forever to get to grips with the way the cursor worked. Oh yeah. You um, played a lot of this, Kai. Was that mm-hmm. similar feeling of how moving around the cursor and it, uh, it was it's like this weird like hand with an eyeball on it, and you're going around and like clicking on objects and stuff like that. Yeah, it wasn't just that. It was like you would. <clears throat> so like when you're playing on PC, if you're doing a point and click, if you move your cursor somewhere, it stays there. Right. The the problem was that with this, it was moving back to the center of the screen, mm-hmm. and it was making it very hard to hover over the fins that I wanted to see. Um, the sensitivity was like really high as well, so I'd like shoot past it and have to come back. Yeah, I wonder if that's just like I mean, you yeah. were saying like the. I think it was it was a little difficult to control as far as like really getting on certain objects because right. there are some things like the ceiling is one of the things that's very easy to click on because it's enormous. Mm-hmm. But when it got to like really small different objects in the room, where you're trying to click on something specifically, like I had a trouble clicking on one of the windows. Uh, in the room and yeah it could probably use some work but yeah. i think it i think it must be better on uh yeah console I mean, the uh, tv edition yeah and and i mean going through this entire game it really shows that this was a pc game mm-hmm. i mean clearly it, it was a pc game that was ported to consoles but 
even with all the mechanics and the, I mean, the, the controller support isn't bad, but in situations like this, you can tell like, yeah, this was made for a mouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think what would have been nice is I, I found out towards the end that basically if there are a couple of, um, cause you'll have icons on screen, so you know what to react with. And if you use the, uh, ZR or ZL on the switch, mm-hmm. You can move from the cur- from icon to icon without using the cursor, so long as it, the icon just, like, is in the screen. To those things, mm. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So it would have. I don't know how they would have done it because this isn't one of those games where you have the character like like in Metal Gear where it was like press the action button. Like they don't do that <laughs> right. kind of stuff in this game. Um, yeah, but it it would have been nice to have some kind of mention that that was a feature you could use it would have made things i mean i'm yeah. i'm exaggerating a little bit it was it was tedious it wasn't you know extremely off putting right i don't think any of the gameplay mechanics really like stood out in a negative way i mean if, even if it was like you said just a little tedious moving the cursor around but other than that it feels fine like you know it it, it felt smooth going through all this pretty much mostly yeah yeah so you're playing as Emily, and you're in this uh, recording studio, kind of a local broadcast. She seems to be kind of like the producer of this show. She's this is WEVP. Yes. So this is the this is the new station the that very we talked fi- about the one that Weaver uh, will appear at. on and worked at at a certain point. Mm-hmm. In the last episode, we visited there, and it was that that section where we were um, looking at a kind of a, a videotape of a recording of them being there, almost as if it was the past that we were watching. Um, but that's that TV station that we are currently in. Um, yeah, so Weaver is kind of the producer here. She's recording. She's kind of uh, directing people. Bob and Ben are also here, and they're in the corner kind of messing with this little radio, trying to get ghosts to talk to them and stuff like that. They're like, wait, I think I think I heard a voice. Yeah, so the first thing that happens is um, a woman who's an artist whose name is... Uh, do you know Rita? Ben? Rita? Rita. Rita. Rita? Wait, isn't Rita yeah. the announcer? No, because Nikki. The host? Oh, no, no. Rita's the host because you had to... something Asa? Guys, there's too many characters in this oh, game. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, okay. introduced to like Rita and Nikki. And... There's, okay. a, there's a woman who is a artist who's visiting who is going to be the guest on the channel uh, or, or on the, the broadcast uh, this afternoon on, on like a talk show. And she uh, she's visiting. And so you have like a brief conversation with her about you know oh are you prepared are you nervous do you need anything uh and you tell her to get prepared for the broadcast and then you can start to circle around the room and you see that uh there's kind of a weather section and then there's a crow manning a uh video switcher whose name is mo um there's like the main broadcast area and then there's a couch to your right with uh two gentlemen on it who seem to be uh, hovering over some form of mechanical equipment and that's kind of where you get the first sense of space um, and as well you can see uh, raindrops falling in the uh, in the building so and there's mention of quite a storm uh, outside yeah and everyone seems very concerned about it and it and it seems that there has been more and more storms as of late where they are in this in this town um maya was the maya. artist maya was thank you yeah, yeah thank you maya. yes um yeah, and it kind of just, they're trying to put on this, this. It, it's odd what their show is, because it kind of seems like she's commenting on the weather, but Rita does not do a good job of... of <laughs> it's very community access, like, yeah. there, was, there was lots of these shows, not that were this disjointed, but back when people actually watched <laughs> local 
television, but of just like communities putting on these really terrible talk shows of yeah. like, oh, the swap meet this afternoon starts at seven and also it's raining. Like that yeah, was yeah. the that was the most exciting. The other two uh, individuals in here besides Lil Makai already mentioned were Kyrano and Elmo. Cyrano, yeah. Cyrano, sorry. And Cyrano is kind of having this musical act that he's doing for the show. And then Elmo does the weather. Yes. And Cyrano was briefly mentioned beforehand as the uh, concert that Junebug and Johnny were going to during the conversation when they were talking about adopting Ezra. Uh, Before that, they were like, oh, I remember the first time we went and saw Cyrano and we had to wait outside. And so now we're introduced to this, uh, what looks like a lap guitar, like a steel lap guitar is what he plays. Um, yeah, and he has a he's part of the weather broadcast, so you know. Yeah, it's all it's all wild. This whole this whole broadcasting presentation just goes downhill. This this definitely seems like one of those. I mean, not only local TV stations, but like this airs like three a.m. that like mm-hmm. nobody watches, so they like none of the people really give a shit. So they're like, we can do whatever we want. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, this is this is very alien to me because we don't really have much of this in the UK. Like mm-hmm. the the closest it will get is you know you'll have like an independent news but even then it'll be like you'll have like the bbc and then you'll have like bbc yorkshire or maybe bbc wales or whatever like they're, they're still that like professional studio level and to be fair that that also doesn't really happen here i think this is it was probably common in this area and during this time period of when this game took place it probably was more common than yeah, I mean, it's less, it's definitely, they don't exist anymore because they don't get funding. But even when we were younger children in, in the in the 90s, early 90s. 2000s and 90s, they, they were pretty popular. Mm-hmm. And it really depends on like where you are, because we're in a very large area in Southern California. So obviously our community access channels were a little more professionally produced as like what Ben was saying, um, kind of like professional news broadcasts and like community stuff. But for a lot of these small towns... My grandparents specifically lived in a very small town, about 4,000 people in California, and they had a rickety uh, <laughs> local community broadcast station that where people would do like, oh, I'm going to do an hour-long poetry reading yeah, live on very, air, which is just like, you know. God, also, we kind of just... awful. We kind of just glanced over that uh, Mo the Crow uh, is the one that manages the tapes that they play on their show. Yeah, it's, it's the, you know, it's the the part of the game where they can just get away with doing absolutely ridiculous things because it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. yeah. Like but, at this point, I mean, it's, it's expected. It's, it's like, And oh. it's never like, Mo the Crow doesn't, I mean, it stands up because clearly there's a crow running this this part of the, the broadcast, but you none know, of the characters act any different towards him. They're like, hey Mo, put on the tape. And he's like, ah! He yeah, she like, um, Emily like whistles to signal that she needs the tape yeah. played or something. Hey, maybe um, people have trained their crows to work. Uh, is that against labor laws? Can you? Can you? No, but they are incredibly intelligent animals and very trainable. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to train a, a one of the birds, a, a raven or crow is is a good option. Yeah, I, I learned recently that um, they have the same intelligence as a seven year old human. Yeah, that's terrifying. Capable of remembering human faces. So if you piss off if, a crow, it will remember you. If crows have crows thumbs. hold grudges, <laughs> these kind of facts that you can only get on this only podcast. get to play a lot. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, so I mean, this broadcast pretty much goes downhill right away. Rita talks about the weather and other normal stuff, and then in like while recording, she'll just have random conversations with uh, Emily behind the camera and stuff like that. So yeah, so the the broadcast itself is 
they will talk and then they will go through these tapes that have been recorded in the community. Mm -hmm. So I guess the normal setup is that they'll, Rita will be sitting in the front and then she'll play a tape and they'll watch the tape Mm -hmm. and then they'll talk about it. And one of the tapes that they played is entitled uh, Un Pueblo de Nada. Oh, thank Mm -hmm. God I pulled that off. (laughs) I barely remember. Um, Which is a documentary style tape of people who live in this town, it was quite confusing. But it was wild. It's like one of those things where you're like, oh, they said the title. <laughs> you pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> they said it. You're like, oh, wait, what? It was like, um, it, it came across as almost like a a history of the town mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. documentary, you know, like this was our beginnings. Yeah. and and But you never find out uh, what was on it, really, because the entire time that that's happening, as Emily, you're looking around the room and talking to Bob and Ben as they make progress yeah. with this machine and talking right. to um, Trippy Hippie Dude, whose name I can't remember. Right Elmo? Now. Elmo. Yeah, one of them. Elmo. He's the one who's doing the... Uh... So the weather broadcast oh, he's in, like, is... dripping like, something yeah, on the Yeah, so he's screen. using like an overhead right. projector and then he has two like pieces of glass and he's dropping oil onto them to make like trippy designs while Cyrano is playing weird lap guitar music mm-hmm. uh, which is just okay yeah. of course yeah he's like a stereotypical hippie as well yeah, yeah, yeah. even in the way he uh, talks definitely yeah he's he's very stonerish I think one of the interesting parts that happened here is uh, like you guys were saying kind of while these tapes are playing Emily can kind of walk around and interact with some of the other characters and stuff some characters will come in like Maya will come and sit down next to Rita and everything uh, but talking with Bob and Ben, they're listening to this uh, this radio, and they're ghost hunting apparently. And then they're, I mean, and, and nothing really comes out of it until I saw the word dogwood, and they're like, "Wait, did we just hear dogwood?" And that's mm-hmm. kind of what piqued my interest. I was like, "Oh, dogwood! Like, what are mm-hmm. we talking about?" And that kind of led my mind to like start to conspiracy theory and 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 theorize. I'm like, "Oh, are they are they trapped in this like?" electronic world or something or like well, i mean the characters... other thing that comes out of this act is that they talk about weaver yeah. Yeah. is the ghost that's haunting wevp yeah. and that her broadcasts start out of nowhere they'll interrupt the main broadcast that they're having and they have no idea how right. she's doing it or where it's coming from so but they, they bring it up very nonchalantly like this is something that happens on like a daily basis mm. like oh weaver's here again mm. and she's brought blocking yeah. broadcast we can never figure out how to stop her right yeah they I think it was Bob or Ben, one of them created a machine that was able to hijack um, stations, but mm-hmm. like a car battery only powered it for a couple of seconds, they said. So they're like, there's no way that she's off the grid. Like she must be on the company's power, like the power company's grid using their electricity right. to power it. Um, but the, the tape thing, I mean, are you guys familiar with like the 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 pseudoscience of paranormal hunting and stuff no no that that's a so that that's a, a um a familiar technique that that people will use when they're ghost hunting they use like radio stations and stuff like that to you use to, like, a white noise up. machine ah um so the, the idea is that you play white noise and record it and then when you listen back to the recording um you apparently hear words or phrases in the recording gotcha so that's what they were doing with the radio yeah so that the idea is that they're using radio to tune into static in an attempt to 
communicate with the ghosts that they think are haunting their studio and in interrupting their um you know interrupting their broadcasts so it, it, it's a means of trying to communicate it tracks them they're they're doing accurate ghost hunting uh, protocol yeah yeah <laughs> as uh as as accurate as it can be yeah right of course of course um, um the whole time this is happening this storm is becoming uh, very very loud very violent yes mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of heavy rain, and yeah. um, if you keep, you can look at the floor and like examine the floor, and it will go from a couple like of water. drops to yeah. You can see like puddles and shit. Um, the best bit was Ron falling asleep. How are we gonna miss yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they have a couple guests come on besides um, Maya and her and her drawings. Ron's one of the people they play a tape called The Wild. And Ron is like he's talking about animals. And there's like a like a full like five minute conversation of them debating if the animals are wild. Mm-hmm. Like Ron's like, everything in this tape is wild. And and the Rita's like, everything is what about the dogs? He's like, everything in this is wild. And she's like, what about the cats? And she's like, everything is wild. <laughs> and it's like, what is happening? Yeah. It, Every everything is wild. Yeah, everything is wild, like, apparently. Mm-hmm. That that's it. That's all you can say. Yeah. Uh, eventually, like the power does go out. You lose power to the um, to the the radio station. You have to try to figure out how to turn it on. It's interesting because as you're looking around, as the power's off, you can interact with certain objects. But every now and then, your cursor would like hover in a random spot, and an outline of an of a person would be there. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, is like, oh, is, is that is that Weaver? Was she the one that kind of shut the power off? And is now is she a ghost in this room with us at the moment? It was interesting. Yeah, it was it was strange because it was also like constellations as well. It seemed. Yeah, yeah. It kind it kind of like it kind of molded together like that too. Like when you hovered over it, it, it like lines drew out an outline of an individual, almost yeah. like a constellation, like you were saying. Yeah, it was. It's not just that. Like in the around it, they were like dots, as if like constellations. I don't know enough about astrology to to know. Uh, only only ghost hunting uh, facts no no constellation facts but no unfortunately not no mm. no that's, that's okay it's unfortunate my i mean the, the ghost hunting is like my mom is is big and like paranormal shit so my mom's a ghost hunter <laughs> when i was <laughs> when i was growing up we would uh we would watch loads of stuff about like ghost haunt ghost hunting and like haunted oh, yeah. places and stuff so i got used to to you know all the techniques there's never a good thing if the place is haunted usually avoid those places not go towards them yeah, so all those movies so. end. Yeah, but yeah. fame. Yes. Mm-hmm. But death. Gotta go viral. And being haunted. <laughs> <laughs> those those, those are the risks you take, Jared. No. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not, uh, not about that life. Yeah, so then eventually they have people call into the radio station. Oh, freaking Jeff. Which Oh my god. Jeff with a G. Jeff with a G. <laughs> I will say, yes, Jeff Jeff with a G is a pointless uh character but i have heard so many people who ramble like jeff jeff is um one of these people who will call into a broadcast and then just talk about his life and the things that are going on and (laughs) raccoons and they're like jeff what do you think about the weather he's like well my raccoons and yeah he just went off and you're like okay did you ask me about the raccoons and you're like what no jeff jeff uh and it seems that jeff is a long time uh supporter and caller inner of the uh, wevp yeah. nightly broadcast and just just goes on well, to the point where ron uh falls asleep passes out it's also interesting because this section specifically of jeff coming in and talking is not done i mean there is text box but there's also dialogue that happens but it's very faint 
Like you have to really kind of concentrate and pay attention to hear him talking through this, but he does. There's actually voice acting that happens during the scene, which is, mm-hmm. is yeah. wild. If voice acting is what you can call it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's weird how they choose the really. It, it's just a strange moment to choose the voice act. Do you know what I mean? There are so yeah. many. Well, there are so few voice acting parts in this game, and it's like, why is? Is Jeff like I don't know if they're trying to convey like you were saying, you know, like the the caller in kind of just rambling. Yeah, I think the reason the reason they chose audio in my mind and why I would like I was making this scene why I would choose audio is because you're not when you read, you're looking at the words and you're like trying to decipher what the words mean. The point of this is it's just like this wall of like monotone groaning from this man who's just calling in and like continually going on about these things and like at a certain point you're not even listening to what he's saying it's just this like yeah that's interesting too because i mean the addition of voice acting and the way his voice acting is presented as i was reading it was kind of like not on track with how he was talking yeah so as i was read he would like pause in random spaces or he would like double up words and it almost like where you couldn't actually you had to just listen or you couldn't read but you also couldn't really hear him talking either. yeah it's like being on a, it's like being on a phone call with someone who's like talking passionately about something but you couldn't care less about the phone call so you're just like sitting mm-hmm. there waiting for them to get done with this story like you're just okay but their yes. head is also in a fish tank so that... well yeah i mean the audio recording itself was <laughs> quite poor but i think they were trying to emulate someone on a landline calling yeah. into a community access show but um so I, my my mind is that you didn't really have to listen to what he said it was just more that it was going on far too long uh to the point where people were nodding off yeah i uh, think as um as in the- my playthrough i actually moved away from the conversation and was looking around the shack and and talking mm-hmm. to other people and i came back and he was still talking yeah yeah like, what are you doing man? i think actually if you leave um it like still goes, but the yes, same amount did, of yeah. time is like it still passes. It still time. passes at the same time. So if you go back into it, it still has a lot. It was left. similar to um to the entertainment. In the entertainment, yeah. if you looked away from the speech, the speech the would carry on. Would still be happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Similar thing. Uh, another character that's introduced, and I think this happens right as the lights turn back on, is Nikki. She comes mm-hmm. in, and she's uh, another character that is here to read her poetry but it's kind of odd because you're like kind of circling the room in the dark and the lights flash on and there's just this woman standing there. She's like, I'm here. And she looks very wet from the rain outside. Yes. And yes. She, she reads a poem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a poem. I think, I think one of the, one it's of the very metaphorical. Things, yeah, it really is. One of the big things here, because you kind of talked about the very beginning that the Un Pueblo did not a tape that's played. Uh, one of the big parts, the takeaway from that is there's this whole story about the town and the native people that used to be in the town and how they're no longer there and kind of the history behind them and everything, which I think that if there was any takeaway from this whole interlude, that's probably what plays the most going into Act 5. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the idea is that um, this town was sort of like founded, from what I remember, it was like founded by people who were traveling or something. Yeah. And they chose to stay there and eventually they died out but you're you're left with the neighbors uh they keep referencing the neighbors who you find out are horses horses right uh one black and one silver slash gray horse who i mean in act five is not a spoiler but in act five i found out that they were alive for over a hundred years 
Yeah, yeah, they do talk about that. Mm. They they, they the outlived multiple generations of people, which is, which is crazy. I don't think horses no. live that. Okay, no, they. I don't. was like, I was like, should I ask this question? This seems like a dumb question. I don't think horses live to be hundred years no. old. No, definitely not. Usually, um, the bigger the animal, the shorter the lifespan. So, horses live about twenty years. Yeah, you you, you get some references to. Um, this is the first time you hear about the out of towner, which is mm-hmm. um, referenced in Nikki's poem. Right. Uh, very briefly there also seems to be a dynamic of people leaving the town but of aggressively blaming people who leave the town as like oh you're abandoning us right um, right which sense kind of community of, kind of yeah yeah a, a very aggressive sense of community and like I can't, once you're part of us there's a there's a dialogue line that's like after and i can't remember his name but it was like after one person specifically left then everyone was like everyone to leave after that it was like this big deal and everyone right. was blaming um, and and she says that she couldn't remember that being a problem before, before this that specific person specifically left. left right? I think mm. it was like a community leader. Um, so that it's created this weird dynamic of like, you know, we're in this community and we have to keep it going. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's strange. It's almost cultish in a in a way. Yeah, it, it comes off very cultish. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, there was one other before we finish because I mean the most of it, most of this interlude is kind of just scene setting for what happens in act five and right kind of telling the history of this place that you're you're gonna be in um but there was one other thing that kind of stuck out because everyone you're talking to they'll say something and they'll be like oh yeah you know well saturn's in retrograde and there were were three or four people who said it and um i mean like my my girlfriend and a couple of my friends my mum as well were very big on like uh, star signs and zodiac stuff and stuff mm. so i was like okay let me let me find out what exactly this is so the the idea is that the, the idea behind it is that certain planet positions affect people's behavioral decisions and their moods and stuff like that so if you're a certain certain star sign a planet being in retrograde will create will make you act a certain way okay whatever um but according to a website, allure.com, I found. They were very mm. big on astrological stuff and uh, astronomy. Uh, if Saturn is in retrograde, it inc- it requires people to engage with the past, present, and future as everything comes full circle and is a time of closure. That's wild, because I feel like that's how Act 5 is. I mean, we kind of talk about, and there's references to it before, but it, it, it we'll hear a little bit more about it later, but about this game kind of being a circle and the whole idea is like it's like this circle that happens there's not really a start or an end yeah, necessarily you can come in at any point in time and it works if you just keep moving around the circle you and there's figure. always like there's always discussion and, and discourse around kind of the past the present and then going into the future so that's interesting that's super cool yeah yeah that was that was crazy when i saw that i was like this this game is far too fucking meta for me sometimes honestly <laughs> <Yeah>. it's, <laughs> it's kind of wild <laughs> um yeah, I don't. I don't remember exactly how the this ends. Are you so joking does, me? Uh, Weaver interrupts. Yeah, oh, that's right. Weaver. We're talking about Willith. Bro, there's so much shit that happens in this game. <laughs> yes. So they basically off to the side is a station where, yeah, Mo the Crow is, and um, somebody they're doing a talk. You know, like Ron and that talking, and then somebody's like, Emily, look at the screen, and you turn around. And the screen is uh, grey with a woman standing in the middle and it's like low hum. 
Um, We've seen this before. We've heard this reference multiple times from <laughs> yeah. Sh- um, um, I said Sherry. That is not her name. Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the slow the screen slowly zooms into the monitor and then it right. ends. And that's how that's how Un Pueblo de Nada wraps up. Now we're on to Act Five. But yeah, there was one thing that happened in it just before we move on that I didn't understand. Did you guys see the Morse code that was happening at the top of the screen? No. No. When? When was that happening? It was like when you were... I keep knocking the mic, I apologise. It was when you was talking as um as Emily. So like, because I, I use the B button, because if you hold B, it will scroll through the dialogue quickly. It like speeds right. it up so you can sort of read it. Um, And as I was holding B there was like a beeping sound and a line forming at the top. And I was like, that's really weird. And then I, when I stopped, it would go like, do, 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 and do seven dots. Did you decipher like, the Morse code? Well, so I couldn't, I couldn't decipher it. So what it turned out was every time you pressed B, you were creating a dot. And then if you held B, it made a line or like a dash, which is Morse code. So then when I looked up seven dots in Morse code, apparently seven dots indicates like a, a space between sentences or something. So I don't know if you can put something in in Morse code. I tried the SOS for Morse code and nothing happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know if if that's just something that was there or, you know, I'm going to have to look it up after. I'm going to look it up now while we're talking. But um, yeah, that was weird. I, I didn't know if that came into play at all it was just a feature a yeah. feature that was there interesting yeah I, I i did kind of a quick search and i couldn't find anything i mean i just looked up like morse code for this this uh section and i didn't really find anything but i also didn't look very hard so ben has discovered an undiscovered easter egg Ooh. in the game and it's like it'll just be like is it oh god what's is it the ring is the movie when you watch the movie or you watch the tape and then you have seven days to live and then you die Yes, that's it, yeah. See, I googled Kentucky Route Zero Morse code and everyone's talking about here and there along the Echo. Oh, well, we didn't mm. catch that. <laughs> no, I didn't. What the it fuck? Warrants several playthroughs so you can discover all of the intricate then, uh, inter- then again, interlinking. Then again, here and there along the Echo was just the phone interlude, which we kind of like not brushed off, but it was like, okay, this is like what's happening here. What's, what's going on? Let's, let's mm-hmm. progress. I want some closure, which... Spoiler! Guess what you didn't get. Get closure. Um, the other yeah. important before we move on, really, there's a lot of important aspects to this section, is that the barn where the horses are kept yes. is being destroyed by the storm. Uh, which is what's his name? Dan's barn. Ron. Ron. Yes. Ron's barn. Yes, because right. he tra- he offers um, Nikki to stay there or Maya. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, he's like, you can have my loft. And then Emily's like, it's not a loft. (laughs) It's not a loft. It's, it's just the up part of a barn. Let's not. Yeah. And then I think Emily even thinks about, cause I think, uh, Rita offers like, oh, you can stay with me. And then Emily's like, well, I guess I have nowhere to go. I guess I'll just stay. She's like, I can sleep here. I can sleep in Ron's barn. Like, no, we're going to, we're going to stay in the flooding. Sounds like a euphemism. If you're, if you ask me, if you're sleeping in Ron's barn, then, um, (laughs) Yeah, and that horses. that is uh, un pueblo de nada, the town of nothing, the t- the, the town of nothing, the house of nothing, mm-hmm. un casa, casa de, de nada. nada. <laughs> anyway, on to Act Five. Um, yeah, this also just kind of begins very interestingly. Uh, what the fuck? 
what sorry sorry i was i was looking stuff on google and there's a w there's a wevp.tv website oh and it has the technological um you know like the technical difficulties bars Mm. interesting i mean wevp was the like one of the game manufacturers or whatever or at least it has a title card at the beginning so i'm assuming it's a company of some kind it's gonna be one of those games where like truly understand you have to go in like google like this fake website and like it'll give you an address and you drive to like this undisclosed location and like there will be like a game disc (laughs) and put it in in kentucky and it's the true ending of kentucky red zero (laughs) wouldn't wouldn't surprise me honestly no it wouldn't at all no Uh, so (laughs) Um, act five yes act five you emerge from the earth yes you do because uh act well let's let's talk about the end of act four. end of act four we we had been driving through the echo on our little boat and we got to our not the echo the echo echo yeah well, yeah yeah and we got and conway had gone away with the electric company with the the, the skeleton people the hard boys the hard boys and emily decided that she would continue her and the game would continue conway's delivery they would finish off conway's delivery but they, they, they got to this kind of huge hole in the ceiling and this giant spiral staircase, which the truck clearly could not fit on. So they had to carry all the material up this. Mm-hmm. And at the very top of this, we, we come out of the hole and we are in the town that we were just in before. The town of nothing. The town, which has now been destroyed by the rainstorm. That yeah, absolutely happened. decimated by a yeah, flood. The, the town is, is non-existent. Really okay, important. well, it is existent. There's buildings, but there, there's like uh, the, the, I imagine. I think it was the the TV station looks like half it was like underwater almost, yeah. and yeah, the, mm-hmm, the storm really yeah. just destroyed this this small little town. But yes, how, how you play now is you <laughs> you play. Let me describe this. You play as like a small like light bug. It's dragonfly, a dragonfly, but it's like little but glowing it's bug, white. And it's white. You mm-hmm. play an albino dragonfly and being chased, being by, a chased cat. by a cat. <laughs> and that you control the dragonfly and the cat runs behind you. Every now and then when you stop, it gives you kind of like a prompt. It'll like make the cat meow. And essentially you're just playing this dragonfly and cat, I presume. And you're listening in on conversations that are happening. Yes. In, a, in, in the point and click adventure se- sense, the dragonfly is your cursor. And the cat is your character. Yeah, you that's control, what I was going to say. Uh, you yeah. control the cat as far as like its meows and it's what interacts with the world. The dragonfly is just a representation of like a cursor where you're moving it to. But this is kind of this kind of comes full circle. Like all of our characters that we've met so far have accumulated in this town of nothing. You know, Emily, Bob, and Ben are here. June, uh, June Bug, and Johnny, and Johnny Ezra. Ezra, Shannon. The whole gang is here. We kind of all have com- com- everyone except Conway. Mm-hmm. the main character yeah. well sort of i guess not anymore but was, was like, the, main not, not the main character anymore <laughs> yeah the, the second most interesting point is that uh apparently the people of this world can talk to animals well not necessarily talk to them they can understand what the animals are saying yeah they can't communicate but they can in the traditional sense but they can they can understand what they're trying to say yeah so as as the cat you'll press the prompt to meow and then somebody will be like oh yeah i agree with you or like no that wouldn't work and like almost as if they understand what the because the only prompt you get is like assertive meow or cautious meow you don't (laughs) get anything any text no dialogue or anything like that i think the biggest the biggest theme that happens in in act five is again you're playing as this dragonfly and the cat and you're running around this town 
And essentially, as you're running around, I'm assuming time is like passing because characters will be in different areas. They'll be talking with different characters and stuff. And you're and you're listening into their conversations. Mm-hmm. But also, there are these gray, ghostly, muddy kind figures, of brown. brown figures. Yeah. Um, almost representing kind of the past of this town. Because when you go interact with some of them, uh, dialogue options will come up and kind of a story will play about some of these characters. But instead of picking traditional, you know, like responses like you usually do, you focus on specific highlighted words in the paragraphs. So they'll be, yeah. they'll, they'll be yelled out words and when you pick those. I imagine you might get different dialogue options, but I, 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 I honestly had no idea. Um, the, the consequence of, of anything that was happening in those sections. No. Um, and it, it's, it's worth pointing out that, you you find out that these shadowy figures are almost like echoes of the people in this town. Yeah. You'll come across um, like Cla- uh, Claude and somebody else by mm-hmm. the airstrip looking at mail or Emily, Bob and Ben as shadows in yeah. the WEVP studio. A character, Carrington, comes up as well, which he, I mean, depending on how you played, he would have been before or we read him. We meet him later too, but it's like you said, it's almost like echoes of of a time period. But there's also characters that we are currently interacting with that come up in these shadowy figures as well, yeah. which is it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, and there is a passing of time because it is very it's very faint, but um, you will get like sort of like a sunrise and a sunset, and then mm-hmm. things will go dark, and then it's almost as you do like laps of the town. I found myself doing a ring around the town. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it time will, kind it of will progresses cause, that way. Yeah, it will cause the day night cycle to happen. Yeah. Um, and I I don't really know how you want to talk about this because essentially what is happening is that these two horses have died in the flood. Yeah, and Ron is basically dragging their body out of the flooded water and preparing to bury them because they're yeah. they're all like these symbols of the community i guess yeah i mean one of the biggest things too that happens here is we've found five dogwood drive is Mm -hmm. in this town we go and it's this large almost like cathedral looking pillar it it looks almost like an art exhibit like like an art installation it reminds me of like it's like a house but it's roman roman architecture with like the you have these big pillars that hold it like i don't know how to explain like amphitheater-esque almost it's hard to describe because there's no like there's no backing to it it's not like this is sealed up it's not like a home or anything like that it looks like this just art piece that's sitting here but it has a mailbox in front of it and it says dog five dogwood drive is that location yeah it's it's weird it's like a like a a heavenly white house with no front and back like it's just the sides the roof and the floor yeah and some steps leading up to it um but I mean, the color of it is the thing that stands out because everything is beige and flooded, muddy water. And I mean, when I say heavenly white, I mean this thing is like oh, pristine. I mean, com- like, compared to the very like Kentucky look, you know, they're all the yeah. all the houses are like wooden, and it's like this. This definitely stands out between anything else in this town, and it's like undamaged from the storm. Correct. Too. Like, yeah. Where everything mm-hmm. else is kind of in shambles. It looks this like it was is- almost built the morning after the storm right this, well, this yeah, is now so, in perfect condition yeah one of the one of the later conversations that you can have uh i believe it's shannon is talking to emily 
and they're talking about where five dog would drive come from and emily's like this wasn't here before Mm. and it's seemingly like it was brought in by the flood um the dialogue option you get is that uh you know the house basically wasn't there and then there was this massive storm last night and a big flood and now all of a sudden five dogwood drive has appeared in this town yeah interesting so it was it's not like it was built or something it's it's the it always has been I mean, mm. with this, what we can do and kind of go around is kind of because a, a lot happens, but not a lot at the same time. Like you go around listening to different conversations. There's just a lot of dialogue. That, yeah, that, we can we can kind of go around and, and talk about some of the conversations we've had that kind of stood out to us yeah, mm-hmm. as we were going through. I mean, one of the uh, for me specifically, uh, one of the sections you go to is kind of an air hangar, and this plane is like broken, and Ezra is very intrigued about this plane. Um, I don't remember which individual is the guy who flies the plane you guys remember that's claude claude yeah uh so yeah he's talking to him and they're talking about you know will you be able to get this plane up and running again he's like oh yeah it's just like a couple parts that need to be fixed and this this plane's a plane that you have to like operate manually like there's levers and Mm -hmm. pedals that you have to use um so ezra's very very intrigued into that and as you kind of progress you see this plane go from being broken to now being functional and and claude kind of sits in it and uses it but that was kind of one that that was interesting and kind of stood out to me Mm. yeah for me, um, yeah, the this is something that I think you didn't experience, yeah. Ben, because so Emily, Bob, and Ben are now and Shannon and Shannon. Also. Well, she walks up. You're right, they're starting to play a game, and they're looking for a twenty-sided die right. for the game, uh, and it shit. happens. Yeah, it yeah. happens to be that because Conway gave Shannon his jacket, it's in his the twenty-sided die is in his pocket, and so she pulls it out and it's like oh well will this work i found this in this you know my pocket and they're like oh what are the chances you have this right and she's like well this isn't my jacket this was this was conway's yeah. but it's interesting because we we took the dice so i wonder if you did you even get a dialogue option like that i had nothing like that at all wow mm. yeah yeah because it showed it showed uh, and fun fact ben this is a bootstrap paradox yep. because it, there's no end and beginning to the dice it's Conway, yeah. if Conway didn't take it, it wouldn't exist. But they got the dice from Shannon. They who got, had yeah. So the dice that we pick up in the beginning is only there because we gave it to them as Shannon, but Shannon got it from Conway. And this is where this idea, and it was interesting that you looked up the whole Saturn and retrograde thing, because it's the whole idea of this being a circle and then past, present, and future. And I mean, the the, the title screen where you're picking your level is a circle as well meaning that like you can kind of start anywhere and there won't be a, a beginning or end necessarily yeah uh and this just kind of adds to that the fact that we give them this dice and now they have it but they also had it in the very beginning so like hmm. they must have got it from conway which got it from them and we talked about if you want to know about bootstrap paradox go to our legend of zelda episode <laughs> where we talk about that so yeah yeah it's that's that's crazy okay yeah um so one of the conversations that stood out for me was um a conversation between Junebug and Claude. Um so Claude is fixing Junebug's motorbike and they're talking about uh you know about the town and why the town's here and Claude mentions somebody called Cass. I believe Cass is the person who left who who kind of kicked up the whole stink about it. Mm-hmm. Um but this town was very specifically designed to have no roads in and out of it. 
it was it was designed when it was built it was designed to only be accessible by plane or through the well and the idea was that it was almost like this utopia that if you knew where it was you could go to it but people couldn't randomly stumble across like you couldn't decide to go there in your car there was no feasible way to do that um so that was strange because it was almost like that's kind of how claude described it like before the flood it was this utopia um yeah and and yeah they sort of talk about people passing through and musicians and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah and this kind of you know for me it represents the i think especially in the u.s there was this time period of people leaving the country and especially in places like kentucky where you know maybe the mining operation in towns kind of dried up and there wasn't much left to stay for and that next generation started moving out into bigger more suburban and urban places it's like that is a thing that is happening and it is still happening that these communities are just slowly dying because there's no one who wants to live in these far off places that, you know, maybe not to the extreme of no access by roads, but have no access as far as, you know, modern conveniences and grocery yeah. stores I, and things people want. Yeah. I mean, what's the place that we go to up in the Eastern Sierras? What is that? Uh, the little town. Um, uh, there's so I many mean, that's a perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've, we've gone there so many times. Um, to the little ghost town and walk around. Oh, Bodie. Bodie, yeah. There's a town called Bodie up in the eastern Sierra that's just like abandoned. You can go up there and walk through, and if you look through the houses, there's like plates and yeah, stuff so, and, and cups. So it was a it was a mining town for a very long time, all the way up until the late 1930s and the early 40s. And at a certain point, the economy had collapsed. Bodie was actually the third largest uh, city in California during the gold rush. So this was, it rivaled San Francisco and it had its mm-hmm. own Chinatown. Um, and then it's slow decline after the kind of the veins in the mine dried up and everyone moved on and now it's completely abandoned. And, and by completely abandoned, people just left furniture in houses yeah. and magazines and, you know, there's silverware. Like, there's like chalkboards and, from the, like the school where there's writing on the chalkboard. Yeah, they, they like just that. got up and left one day. They were like, oh, all right, there's no one left living here. There's no way to make money here. So we're all just going to move away and... Fortunately, the state of California yeah. made it a recreational area and has preserved it, so you can go and visit today, and you'll you'll just see that it's really wild. It's been completely abandoned, but it's, it's so this, crazy. This town of nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a conversation that happens about that. Um, I can't remember who it's between, but they say how the power company, yeah, um, basically built this town for its workers, hence the well down into the echo and all of that stuff and and they um they owned most of the tv shows that were being played at wevp except for that one show that emily bob and ben worked on mm-hmm. um and i mean it's a similar thing that happened here like the the town i'm in like what town i'm from dagnum is like the reason it exists is because there is a ford uh plant in dagnum and so basically at its peak that was like 40 or fifty thousand people worked there so Dagnum was built yeah. purely just for the workers. And mm-hmm. then as as more and more, as the process became more and more automated, people started to leave Dagnum and then it kind of became a very cheap place to live. And so lots of people moved in who, yeah. who were of like a lower socioeconomic class. 
It's a very, it's a very somber like tone that this, as you're going through this cat, this, these stories entail as you hear stories from the past and hear characters, you know, talking with one another. Um, but it's almost as, as if, as, as the day's progressing, they're kind of trying to rebuild because what we learn, what Conway was delivering was furniture actually. And they decided mm-hmm. that they were going to obviously five dog would drive is this, this area there and they're going to put all the furniture into that area. So as you go through, it's kind of them delivering this stuff, you know, getting all Conway's uh, deliveries to five dog would drive and kind of rebuilding this area that they're in, you know, you, Ben, you mentioned before, like the horses, you see Ron kind of, he has this like crank and he like attached this one of the horses because it's got a little farther it's in the a, water. It's a winch. Yeah. yeah, it's a winch. And he's yeah. just like turning the winch and pulling the horse <laughs> out of the water. And it's, it's very, it's very sad. Horses are heavy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Horses, can can yeah. confirm. Horses are, horses you, are you need um, something like a winch to move on <laughs> the dead horse. Yeah. There, there's like three other things I want to talk about very mm-hmm. quickly or very briefly. Um, one of them is that there is a conversation between Johnny and I can't remember his name. But there is a, a convenience store, like a cafe, mm. in the town. And um, the guy who ran it before the flood is saying how he's leaving. And oh, so it, him and. Was it, was it Cyrano? It or might Elmo? have been. It might have been Cyrano. I, mean, I thought it was one of those two. Sorry. Continue. And um, they go into the store and he, like, he's showing Johnny around. He's like, yeah, we've got this, we've got that. And he shows him can't remember the name of it but it's similar to a jukebox it was what they used before the jukebox came out and um johnny's looking and he's like oh my god are those billy monroe albums and uh the guy's like yeah you know like so i googled it Mm. billy monroe was the godfather of bluegrass he is the musician he's the musician who's credited with creating the genre and it gets its name from Kentucky. Apparently, there is like a some bluegrass or something in Kentucky somewhere is some sort of like metaphorical thing. I can't remember exactly. Interesting. But that was cool to see. Um, and then there is one time when Ron was digging the grave for the horses, and I was by right. the barn, and there was a black tornado of random matter like from limits and what was it called demonstrations yes yeah you know they didn't see that at all yeah we didn't get that yeah they were talking about in in that art exhibit they were talking about the tornado they were like we don't know what it's made of and um i i walked the cat went into the barn and i meowed at this tornado and it got louder and then birds started to fly in and were like becoming part of the tornado oh my gosh um And then when I ran around, I'd done a lap of the town. I came back and it was gone. So that was like that. that was very strange. Yeah, and um, that seems that seems to be to kind of go off of that. As you're running around as the cat, it seems that as you run in the area, the time in which things is, are happening shifts. Yeah. So it's like you'll be at one area and something will be going on, and you'll leave just for a second, and then the whole time of where you are seems to change well i, I mean like, one of the situations that i that stood out to me you know i talked about ezra in the plane as you turn around that corner there's like by that convenience store that ben was talking about ezra's also back there with rita like mm-hmm. just a second later and that even kind of shows that like time is passing but well, yeah that happened because like i i saw ezra walk into the plane and i was like i'm not going to talk to him and i did a couple of loops and about 20 minutes later he was walking back to the plane yeah. to talk to Claude to have that conversation. So I spoke to him the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Um, but the last thing was there is a not a grave, a little memorial next to Five Dogwood Drive, mm. um, which is essentially like a, a bush with some flowers around it. <laughs> and you can talk to, I believe it's Nikki, and she explains to you that this is the memorial to the out-of-towner. Mm-hmm. Um, and the out-of-towner is somebody who ended up working for the power company, didn't want to, and basically the power company worked him to death. Um, it's they, yes, it's, that's what it seems like. Yeah, they they got him that. to do more and more work, Well, and he eventually passed. Yeah, we'll talk about this as well, but there is another interlude coming after act five and it's titled death it's titled death of the hired man so oh okay yeah Uh, but eventually as you as you progress this all leads to the eventual funeral that you have for these two horses um Mm -hmm. everyone around town that you've been talking to and interacting with throughout the story is there around this grave that ron has dug uh ron says a couple words i think nikki prepares a poem that you can uh make decisions on and kind of make your own but probably the best part is emily comes out and sings a beautiful song beautiful oh, so fucking good so relative it was great oh it's so whatever go go listen to the kentucky Route zero soundtrack if you have the vinyl i'm jealous because it's so great i've listened to that song <laughs> yeah and i mean even even the song is about like death and heaven there's lots of references right. to um people watching over you and you journey in and meeting them one day um as almost as if that's like the final destination yeah. and as the song is being sung or performed by by the group of people the clay brown ghosts of this town start appearing around the the memorial of these two horses uh and the like a chorus almost comes in on the song as if these yeah. horrifying figures are joining in on the uh the memorial process i mean and, and a little bit before emily does that she taught his little speech she kind of you know has remorse for the fact that they never kind of gave these horses names it was always like the the silver one and then the other one mm-hmm. like they never really gave these two horses names um but i mean ben you kind of touched on it the the song is very sad and somber but almost like when everyone comes like together and starts singing there's almost like this you know comforting endearing feeling that i kind of mm-hmm. got for it almost like there's like they're like this family and this community, even though these are people that haven't really met each other besides just, you know, when they've both ended up in this town together. But even though it was like this funeral and there's all these people around you, there was for some reason a comforting feeling that came from it. That might have yeah. been just the song itself. Well, I think that's, you know, that's the goal of any funeral or yeah. memorializing anything. Like Comfort. the the horses are dead. They don't yeah. care. But it's the town that has to be consoled. And it's like, oh, everything's going to be you know, it's going to be okay. What mm. are you then? No, I was going to say like, is that's how it was, you know, like when you, you're listening to it and 90% of it is Emily. Emily will like sing the first verse and the chorus and then she'll do another verse. And as she starts to sing the chorus again, more and more voices will kind of chime in. And um, yeah, it's very heartwarming. Yeah. yeah. But and, I mean, um, after, the, after the funeral, that's the end. Well, yeah, there was well, there was one thing that stood out to me. I know I keep doing yeah. this. I apologize. But <laughs> There's one more thing, guys. That's fine. One more thing. Yeah. No, there was. Um, I believe it was Nikki, 
made a reference to the horses and she said um she was like oh now they glow underground oh, and i was like like the hard boys like are the, are the hard boys they, like they come in riding skeleton horses yeah. maybe that's the representation of death in this game is mm. like you know uh, the dead flesh of Conway as he was, you know, fixed his leg with the Neriprothal and now these horses will glow and that's just for some reason how dying is represented in this uh, in this game. Yeah, well I, I was going to ask you guys what you thought about the town because to, to me to me the town that you're in almost seemed like a form of purgatory. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this gives me a lot of lost ending no it, it it felt it felt like purgatory right you know these people were kind of <laughs> these people are kind of you know stuck in there they're not necessarily like alive or dead they're just kind of existing yeah and then at the end when because after the ceremony everyone begins to make their way towards this house that is five dogwood drive yeah and as the cat you can run over and there were little bits where you could talk to people when they were looking at Five Dogwood Drive and like Shannon's like, oh, I could fit a workshop in here and Junebug's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you could record and you go into Five Dogwood Drive and everybody's doing what they enjoyed doing. Shannon has a little work table. Junebug and yeah. Johnny seem to be recording music. So it kind of made it seem as if like... That was the kind of the end. Like they, they, they Yeah, they, almost they, like a heaven sort of thing, you know, like they, yeah. they're, they've come to their resting place and they are going to spend eternity now doing yeah. what they wanted to do and doing what they enjoy. Yeah, And I mean, and yeah, after that, the game kind of ends and regardless of how we thought this game was going to end, you know, we've had some time to sit on this ending and think about it. I mean, it, it seems like this game was less about this ending like i as we started getting closer to the ending i was thinking there was going to be less and less of this surprising twist ending and more of just like the exciting part was the journey like you got mm-hmm. there you did your delivery and that's it and that's yeah. that, that's how that yeah. works and in the context of the game of how it was not meant to be played but how it was released i mean there were seven years between the first act and the last one and so we'll, we'll get into our opinions on the, that the, the journey is really what i think it's about it's like right. how many people could really hold on to seven years of information by the time you get to the hmm. end of this game we played through this and also to to mention something you said ben it was like you know the town is in a sense dead almost like it doesn't exist or it doesn't matter and i think that's something that is unique to very small towns in general is that they don't matter like the mm-hmm. like the people in those towns serve only the community in which they exist and to anyone outside of it it's like they might as well not exist which is a very like dark oh, intense definitely. thing about living in those kind of communities and and a mm. lot of people move out to feel like oh i'm you know i'm going to go move to the city and i'm going to do something important and like i'm going to get out of this small endless nothing that i live in and i think that the end of this game reflects really well on that feeling of like we don't exist outside of whatever this is whatever the community we form and the town that existed here and once people decide that it shouldn't exist anymore there's there's nothing left to hold on to which i mean we talked about how you know the the electric company owned this place and like you're saying just the, the town the people not having any purpose or any meaning like once once the electric company was done 
these people served their purpose. They moved on. And yeah. after mm-hmm. they had left and moved on, then this town started to die. People started to leave, you know, after they, they served their purpose there, there was nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you guys are onto something. I think it's, I, I, I think it's definitely, I mean, I know I was talking about sort of purgatory and heaven and stuff, but it's, it's definitely seems to be more an emphasis of like, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter about the destination it's the journey you know like the ending of this game i i don't feel it's harsh to say the ending of this game is anticlimactic um and so you're kind of left looking and going well the ending was a bit disappointing but there was this amazing story and i met these really great characters and we had this journey and we we went along the echo and we met this big ass bird (laughs) but i think i think purgatory is kind of the perfect definition of of what this game is right purgatory is this place that exists between heaven or the idea of heaven and and life and it's Mm -hmm. like if if your life doesn't matter if it has no value and no one knows it exists aren't you already in a form of purgatory right like no one cares about this town no one knows these people exist no one relies on them to provide anything so it's like this is their purgatory they're just waiting for death that's that's all that's left at the end of the day for them but no sorry go on you were saying no i mean that's and i think that's the feeling that they all have is and why they're so emotionally reactive to people leaving is because they take one step closer to to not existing at all Mm. yeah i mean i I definitely i definitely think that and it's, it's almost like you know it's strange how like they're in this town and this town's flooded it's been decimated but they don't care because they all have each other you Mm -hmm. know like and there's there's sense of like it doesn't matter about your situation it doesn't matter what you find yourself in if you surround yourself with people you care for and people you have a real connection with then it's almost like it doesn't matter what's happening around you you know your town could be devastated and your community could essentially be dead because the power company have pulled out but at least you have people around you who you can laugh with and care with and sort of share experiences. Yeah. I think if you do play this game and get to the end of it, as we did, I, I think for myself and Kaya and probably you, Ben, as well, initial emotions and feelings were like, well, that's it. Like, that's all. Like, nothing left. But uh, we've had some time to sit on this and obviously think about it. And I think that more and more, I'm like, you know, that that was that was a satisfying ending for how the game is presented. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole idea and the concept of this game, it, it fits right along with what this game's about. And yeah. I can't be mad at that. <laughs> well, I mean, do you want to jump into our yeah. final thoughts, I guess then? But wait, there's a, there's a whole other section that we have. Here oh yeah. Too. Shit. Sorry. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Cause I missed this. So um... yeah. So, and, and it's interesting because it doesn't, it's, it isn't just show up after you finish Act <laughs> It five. is not the uh, shining beacon of uh, tying this game up that yeah. one might hope it would be. So after you finish Act 5, you're, you're jolted back to the tile screen and have the option to restart Act 1. I We, we thought like, oh, that's over, we're done. But I noticed that there was a, there's another section that's you know not accessible. You know, there's, an, there's a section after Act 5. So what you have to do is you restart Act 1. So you start the game over again. Mm-hmm. You go to Equus Oils, you meet Joseph, you go down and turn his power on, you meet Emily, Bob, and Ben, you get the 20-sided die, you do all that stuff. Uh, you leave Equus Oils and you go back into the gas station. And standing there is a man called Carrington, 
who is trying to put on this play. The play is called Death of a Hired Man. Mm-hmm. He's, she's trying to find a venue for his play. Um, and he, as he was going around and driving around and trying to find a venue, because I think his venue, like something happened with his venue last minute and he, he couldn't, uh, they couldn't, they couldn't perform on the venue that he had before. Uh, he wasn't paying attention. He ran out of gas. So he came to this gas station and he was waiting for a tow truck, but he just kind of talks about this play that he's, he's wanting to put on and everything. And after you have a conversation with him, you leave Equus Oils and you quit out to the main menu. And now you can access death of a hired man as the uh, interlude. And if you continue playing the game from restarting it, he appears in different acts of the game as well. Yeah. So he appears when you first meet Lula at the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces, he comes in and he has giant antlers over his shoulders and you have yeah. a dialogue option with him. So if you play through the game again, there's a new character that you can experience Carrington uh, in different levels. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you go into Death of a Hired Man, and the entirety of this interlude is just you staring at an old, what, like a 1930s? I don't know if there's television back then. Well, how old do you think this TV is? What is it? Okay, first of all, uh, yes, I mean, no, it wasn't the 1930s. It was probably like early 50s. Okay, there you it's go. It's a Whatever. television with knobs on it, which, surprising to everyone, Jared is not that old. You're 25, 6, 26. And he's like, I remember when TVs had knobs. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You were born in like 1995. Like, what TV had, do you have now? Oh. Apparently, Jared's grandparent kept their TV from 1950. For some reason, and he remembers turning knobs on the television. She had an old, like, it was like this giant, like, like a golden, time traveler golden over. brown TV. And when I was like, I don't know, like four or five, young, very young, I would go there. And I remember, like, turning the knobs on her television. Yes. That's not normal. Insane. No. Ben, I remember you... that. See? What is happening? You're my nan, my nan had one. She, she, she had a TV like that. And I do remember there was two knobs. One was your channel knob, and one was your volume knob. And What's that was volume? all you yeah. got. And there was no control. You had to walk over and physically press it on. Yep. Um, well, as someone who's not that much younger than both of you, <laughs> never in my life did my grandparents have a knobbed television. And I never. I, a, no, no, never. But then again, I think I think I mean I don't speak for your grandparents, but you know most grandparents and my grandparents didn't stick with the times. Like your grandparents are like yeah, they have like Apple a, watches they have like and iPads they're and like I, yeah, exactly. So uh, they're like it makes sense with the times. So they weren't understanding why you're a hipster now, Kai. It's, it's making yeah. sense. Oh, right? <laughs> shots fired. Also, we have the same grandparents on one side, and they never had a knob television yet. Hey, this is what you get for calling me a British cunt. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh yeah so so pretty much what you can do is you control like ben said there's two knobs on this television one to change the channel one to do the volume and that's all you can control in this and the the stations are arbitrary there's like a soap opera happening there's like a a documentary on turkeys that's happening there's like a nature documentary i know i when i saw that i was like oh nature documentary uh on turkeys so is that there's wild there's like a nascar race happening there's one channel that's just credits of like a movie i imagine mm-hmm. and if you look at it long enough it's just credits but just the credits of the game that's right but the the biggest part is there's a conversation so uh carrington and harry are both in here having a conversation and it it, it, it alludes that you are in the um the lower depths the bar from the entertainment and then uh act Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, 
and they're just having a conversation. Emily comes in at one point. Uh, but I think the, the part that I took away the most was Brandon comes in. So the janitor comes in. Yes. And it's almost as if Brandon is a younger version of himself because they, they call him bull. I always thought when we met Brandon the very first time that he was an older gentleman that was a janitor of, of this, this place, you know, the storage facility. But they call him young boy, young man. Um, Harry and Emily have like arguments about Brandon of how he has like a troubled past and that they should take him in and help him out and stuff like that. You know, Harry tells Emily to go check on him and see how he's doing and stuff. So it was interesting that this seemed like, and even like looking at wiki guides, it refers to Death of a Hired Man as the first slash final interlude of the game, mm-hmm. meaning that this could almost, I mean, back to what we were talking about. It's a with, circle. It's a circle. Like this could be the end of the game or the beginning of the game. Um, unfortunately, besides just the, the nods of Brandon being younger and Emily, Harry, and Carrington being there, you know, Carrington kind of talks about this play that he's wanting to put on um, Death of a Hired Man. Other than that, there's not really any substance that comes out of, out of no, this act. It's not, there's nothing that's given away or revealed. It's more just more dialogue and more confusion yeah it's more like world building isn't it yeah Yeah. the death of a hired man by robert frost is an actual play Mm -hmm. like that's an actual play that that happened so i guess that's the other the other tie-in is this so you'll actually have to watch the actual play understand what that play is about to tie it into this which we did not do see what what happens is after this uh the game prints out two tickets to death of a hired man by robert frost (laughs) this is is a super elaborate uh marketing technique to just get people to watch you have to go to the play Mm. and then you meet with robert frost and you have robert frost is dead well you meet with the ghost of robert Frost. he's been dead for a very long time Uh, and he's a ghost and how you figure that out is you bring a radio there and you talk to him and he's like dogwood and you're like that's uh yeah but there were other than like those like little nods there there wasn't anything to uh crazy that like oh my gosh this changed the how i feel about the whole ending of the game it yeah. was just like this is a circle this could be the end this could be the beginning it's a circle what does it mean what is time time is a flat circle time is a flat circle yeah but guys that was kentucky route zero it was a fucking wild ride mm-hmm. i do say so myself uh i guess we'll go around now and kind of talk about our opinions how we felt about the ending if we would recommend this to somebody else so i mean who wants to go first Kai, you want to start us off since you, uh... Okay. I feel like Kai should go last. Yeah, I should go oh, last in my you're game. Right. Oh, you're right, you're right. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, go I'll go first. I'll okay, go, go first. for it, go for it. Um, <laughs> tossing shit over there. throwing stuff. Yeah, I dropped my mouse. So oh. angry. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Um, I feel like, as you guys kind of alluded to, the ending of this game is very fit for the themes it discusses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it discusses, I I feel like this, like a rural Kentucky-ness to the game and like the talk of the power company and how they pulled out. I feel like that's just a backdrop to everything that's happening is it's not, doesn't really have any more substance than that personally. Um, the game is, is very much about, you know, the journey, like we were saying, it's not so much about the destination because the ending is, is very poor. Um, would I recommend it? Yes, I I feel like overall I would recommend it, but only if you're someone who is looking to have their perception of now of like normal storytelling in video games challenged. You know, if you want to sit there and and question what's happening and why it's happening and 
and you know all the steps in between then yes um would i have liked to known where weaver is and what's happening with weaver yes because you know we know that she worked at the station and then she ended up in the hall of the mountain king and now she's haunting wevptv like why would i like to have concrete idea of what happened to Conway I'm 99% certain that he was the out of towner that is the more memorials talking about but at the same time we can't know that yes there's a lot of loose ends but I feel like that's the kind of point of the game you're not supposed to worry about the loose ends and how they tie together you're supposed to focus on everything that happened in between and the journey that you went on Um, so the game's not going to be for everybody but if you're somebody who's a bit more open-minded in your storytelling, mm-hmm. uh, then definitely, yeah, I feel like this is a game that you should play. And for like 18 quid, it's a steal. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with all your points, Ben. It's interesting because obviously we played this in the span of, you know, five weeks, couple weeks or so. And it would have been interesting following this game for seven years, you know, but it's almost as if that is, is kind of the point. I mean, Ben alluded to it too. I think everybody, even people that might've been following it for seven years, get to the end of this game and they're like, what? I, what's the point? You know, what's, what, where's the ending? Where's the satisfying ending? And then as you have that initial emotion, that initial, you know, reaction to the ending, it, you, you sit on it and you take time and you're just like, well, wait a minute. I, and you, you kind of put together the pieces of what's the point of this game. It's not about the ending, as Ben said. It's about the journey in between. And if you've been playing this for seven years, you've been on a journey. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. this, this, the last uh, act just came out last year. Yeah. So the ending of this just had happened. So the people that have been waiting seven years have just got a concrete, quote-unquote, ending to this game. Um, but no, and I think that, you know, talking about the loose ends and stuff like that, yeah, there are people that we didn't, you know, get closure on. But that's almost another point to this game. You know, I mean, going back to the town aspect, some people are going to leave and you're not going to know what happens to them after they leave. Some people mm-hmm. left this game and you're not going to know what happened to them afterward. You know, we're not going to get like Weaver Weaver's story ending or Conway story ending or anything like that. And that's kind of just the point of this game. I do think that, like you said, it's going to take a very specific person to enjoy this game. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of reading. There's not a lot of action that happens. If you like, you said if you want your kind of storytelling prowess challenged, this is definitely a great game. This doesn't fall into the traditional sense of how games tell stories. But I think once you at least pass through the first act, it it kind of hooks you, and you get interested on in these characters, and you get you, you get you get yeah, you get interested in these characters, and you get hooked on their story, and you want to know what happens to Conway and Shannon and Ezra, their deliveries and stuff like that. So. I think yeah, I w- I would recommend this to people. Again, it is it will take a specific person, but I think afterward, I'm 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 satisfied with the ending, as I've I've come and sit here and kind of processed everything that has happened through this game. So, mm. go ahead, play it. And like Ben said, it's on it's on like every console at this point, and it's not expensive at all. And Annapurna is great, so support them. That's all I. Have. That's all. Annapurna is great. Plug for Annapurna at the end. <laughs> Oh, okay, this was your 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 pick. Yeah. How'd you feel? This is a challenging experience, and mm-hmm. good art is challenging. 
Yeah. At least in my opinion, I want to feel lost and I want to feel like there's an unlimited amount of layers to peel back and, and kind of explore and figure out. And I am definitely someone who enjoys non-traditionally structured narratives. And so this plays well into that. I think that they did a fantastic job with the world building Mm -hmm. aspect of this game and making you feel like it exists in something that is so foreign to reality but at the same time that we can all connect with and that is very interesting because i think a lot of the magical realism at least the novels that i've read that's been kind of a challenge is connecting with a sense of place because it's so like it's realistic but at the same time it's so foreign to what we experience on a daily basis and it's so much more magical and beautiful than i think what a lot of us view our own existence as that it's hard to connect. And I found it very easy for some reason to fall into the world of this game. I will criticize some of the dialogue is gratuitous and some of it is unnecessary. And I think that's, you know, a part of of anything is given time, you're going to have to cut the fat. And obviously there's a limited time in which they could release sections of this game. And I will say that, Act four and five were weaker links in the circle of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they represent, you know, you can start at any point, I think they fell off a bit, which makes sense. I mean, anytime you're going to work on something for this long, you're going to lose maybe some focus on what you're trying to do. And I think the first three acts of this game are phenomenal. They they deserve the accolades and the awards and the reviews that this game has gotten. And I think that four and five, while are interesting and are very good in their own right, do not connect as well necessarily with the entire experience of the story. And I get it. They had to change things up. They had to try to make it mechanically different. They had to introduce new characters and that's going to be difficult, but I don't think they were as necessarily as strong as they could have been. For Mm -hmm. who I'd recommend this game to, I look at this game a lot like recommending a book. Like, there are some books, like, you have to know the person to be able to recommend a game like this. You you would not... Like, there there are books that you know most people are going to like. Like, if you're like, oh, okay you can read Lord of the Rings and you're pretty sure that regardless of the background and understanding of that person, they're going to be like, Oh, that was an enjoyable experience. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful world. It's a good story. It's very simple to understand. This is like those, this, this is, you know, one of those novels that is so niche and so specific to a certain type of person that you, you would really have to know the audience. So I would be careful telling people necessarily to play this game until unless I was certain that this is an experience that they're going to appreciate. Because I think a lot of people go into games for escapism or they go into games for almost the fantasy of it. And there is no fantasy here. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, a reflection of a certain place, which is, you know, rural America and the, not necessarily experience of that place because obviously in reality it's there's no echo and there's no zero but 
because so few people experience it, the mysticism of it, the myth of those places can be almost anything. There could be a zero out there. You know, Mm. it doesn't seem so far fetched because I've never experienced what it's like to be in one of these places and to be in that type of community. And I think that at the end of the day is what this is trying to show is that, you know, the, the death and the life that these places exist. And just because we don't see them doesn't mean that there's not incredible things happening there. And there's not incredible people who are very interesting um, to almost an extreme in this game, where obviously the magical realism part of it is, is very beautiful and makes everything seem very mystical and exciting. But at the same time, it's just this rural place that no one really experiences. And these characters, you know, a specific example would be the, the guy who works at the convenience store on the echo like how many of us stop to think about the experience of someone who works in a convenience store? Of course mm-hmm. we don't. But in the context Especially in, of, on like a motorway or like a freeway or something. Right, like. right, right. And, and someone who gets to experience, you know, hundreds of travelers from all over moving through this location. And so this game forces you to think about that perspective and experience and makes it very interesting. And I yeah. think that's what it does incredibly well. Yeah. I mean, but, you, sorry, go on, my gun. Uh, just to finish up, the I think overall it's an incredible experience and it's a very beautiful piece of art. I don't necessarily think that your average gaming audience would find it as cool as an experience as as maybe we did. And that's just because we're very interested in video games and how they function and, you know, the different ways that they can tell a story and different ways that characters can interact. But I think if if you're looking for something that's very artful and a very unique experience that this would be a, an incredible game to play through and it is well deserved of many of the uh yeah the the positive reviews it's just i think it yeah. fell off a little bit at the end yeah i mean i was sorry i was going to say um like i mean you were saying about how the the echo and the zero don't exist but like while you was talking i, I thought maybe you know maybe they're just metaphors for like the road less traveled Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's lots of talk about how, you know, well, you should take the road less traveled because you'll have, you know, a better experience and you'll see more fins and educate yourself in in a way that you wouldn't if you didn't take that path. And I feel like it's just, it's metaphorical for that. You know, Junebug and Johnny, for instance, they didn't have to come with us on the Echo, but look at mm-hmm. what happened to them because they took that road less traveled. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think there's that magic of it, of like the road less traveled, right? Like I remember being in school in rural Oregon and there was this in between kind of the two big towns, it's just all this farm roads. And there's this gas station slash restaurant that was just decrepit and falling apart. And there's this sign that said like world's best chili outside of it in this like rain washed faded sign and there, I always found that there was something so magical about this yeah. building in the middle of nowhere. I mean, maybe 10 people passed it a day. Maybe. This was not a road that was popular. And, and yet this place existed and sustained somehow. There was enough people who knew to go and stop there and to experience it that it could survive in the middle of nowhere. And mm. that that feeling, that magicalness of like, what am I missing out by never stopping, by only driving by and by not experiencing, I think is something that in this game 
is definitely, as you said, you know, a theme that that kind of continues the the bar that has three people in it and the sparseness of everything kind of yeah. going on in these these different places is is magical in its own sense. I mean, yeah, I, I think that I mean, you talked about, you know, touching on why this this game is interesting and stuff like that. And for me, I think that I mean, it is fantastical realism, clearly, but I think even a lot of the fantastical stuff were just just close enough to realism mm-hmm. to make it feel interesting. And I think that, I, I mean, I'm trying to think about it. I probably wouldn't have played this game if you didn't like recommend it to me and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. because, I mean, there's not a lot of point-and-click adventure games that has a very like specific art style and stuff like that. And a lot of games like this, unless they're incredible, like Kentucky Route Zero is, they don't get a lot of light like a lot of big AAA games do. Um but I mean, after playing it, I, like I said, play play like the first act, play the first first chapter or so, and see how you feel. Because I think the the idea of this game felt real enough, and I think had that feeling of you know mysticism as you were talking about with just that little like the little restaurant gas station thing to make it feel real enough. Yeah, I think I think the last thing I want to say before we like move on personally is um, like good art creates discourse right yeah like and i i feel like that's one of the major redeeming factors for me of this game um you know to to kind of drive home what kai said it takes a very certain person to play this game you know i was was explaining it to my partner ellie and she was like oh i kind of want to play it and i was like she's not big on like abstract storytelling as far as i know so I wouldn't have said to her buy it because I own it. She can play it. And if she likes it, then awesome. But I wouldn't recommend it to her. You know, this is yeah, like a very peculiar game. And I, I think that it was perfect for what we were doing. You know, yeah. like I said, it creates discourse and some of the conversations we've had about what the journey means and what we yeah. feel was talked about in this game is exactly the reason why this game exists. I think, and this is this is a different conversation, but this game would be great on Game Pass. And I think that's where mm-hmm. Game Pass shines, is to show some light on these games that you might not pay for. You know, if they're part of a subscription that you're already on. There's been lots of games that we played through Game Pass that were like, wow, I would have never bought this game. But I played through it now, and it's fantastic, and I love it. And I think this is one of those games where it's like, if you miss it, then you won't know how great it is. But if you try it out, and if you like it, then it's it's a fantastic experience. I mean, like you yeah. said, the ending is a little rocky, but you know the journey itself through this game was well. Was and great. additionally, one thing that I think Ben said is is you know this game inspires a discourse, and with that, having someone to talk about it with and yeah. try to I figure it out is important. I couldn't imagine Play playing this yourself. alone mm-hmm. and just sitting with it and not having someone to be like, <laughs> "I need to tell someone about this." <laughs> what the hell just happened? Like, of course, yeah. And then that person goes, well, this is my idea. And then you go, oh, well, like, what about this thing? And you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And, like, that was the most fun part of yeah. doing this series and these five episodes was just, like, our conversation. how someone can look at the same outcome and result. And obviously there's dialogue options in this game that slightly change, but really the same overall 
experience and get completely well, different I, understandings of the same thing is just that's the best part yeah, i think it was i think it was probably episode two of this but like the the latter half and ending of that episode was just us throwing our theories about what was happening what was going on yeah and, that yeah, was, and then all of us came to three completely different like conclusions yeah, complete, and we're like completely what? different and that's that's so and it's not wrong yeah like that's i think that's what a lot of people get frustrated with is that they have these theories and they'll read something on a forum or they read something and they're like oh well this is what it means no it's your experience of it is just as valid as anyone else's experience and even the creator of the game it doesn't matter what their intent was what you take away from it is the important part and being able to communicate that and share that with people is very exciting and fun thing to do it makes you feel like oh like this is how I connected with this and then seeing how other people connected with. So if you've been playing this game along with us, let us know what your experience is. Yeah, please. Yes, Tell please us what do. you took away. If, if you think we missed something or you Which got- Which we probably a, did. <laughs> we, we definitely did. But if you got a different reaction or a different feeling, let us know. Follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram. Always be plugging. Always be plugging. Send us, a, send us an email. We don't have, a, we don't have an email. Mm-hmm. Don't do okay. that. But- you can always uh, tell us how you feel on Twitter. Hey, rate and review us too. But we have one thing before. Kai, what do we what do we play next? Barney's Special Adventure. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, yes. So as I am the uh, the indie gentleman of the podcast, shocker, uh, shocker. Yeah, I know. Um, we are playing another incredibly sparse, uh, experiential game called Firewatch, which was Ooh. released. Ooh, I know excitement all around. Okay, uh, which was released, I believe, in 2016, uh, yeah, and that, is yeah. a independent game where you play a forest ranger observing uh, a large patch of wilderness uh, and watching for fires. And there may be some fun supernatural twists. So we'll have to find out. And please play along with us. The game is only about four to six hours long, depending on your play style. So it's a it's a nice little little fun soiree, little short game to play. So I am very excited about this. I've wanted to play this game for a fucking yeah, I, long time. I've seen so many. I remember when this came out, and I've seen so many people talk about it, and and you know it, it's gotten definitely good accolades too. So it'll it be has. Well, it's time. also interesting because yes, it's gotten positive reviews, but it's also gotten I've seen negative reviews. Yeah, I've seen so mm-hmm. it will be. I'm hoping that we can get some get some hot opinions. takes. Uh, and maybe some some discordant yeah. opinions on this game. F- Firewatch is, um, from from my understanding of it, is like the controversial walking sim. Some people yeah. love it and yeah. some people hate it. So it should be yeah. interesting. But we have more surprises for you guys because I get to pick the next main series game we play through. I forgot and... that we don't know this now, do we? Shit. <laughs> yeah, neither do you guys know. There's been so... These last three games have been so heavy. And this, I feel like Firewatch is going to be the same thing. Like, there's been a lot of like heavy emotional games that we've been playing. And I was like, you know what? I think, oh God. <laughs> I think we need some lightheartedness thrown into the mix. So, actually, okay. I didn't pick this game. I was having a hard time choosing games. So, I went to Twitter and asked you guys Mistake. of what we should play. And actually, one of the guys I shouted out before, Main Quest Podcast, had given us a suggestion. And I was like, yeah, that's the game we're going to play. So, we are going to be playing. Super Mario RPG. Yeah, okay. That is the next main game we'll be playing is Super Mario RPG. Kai shaking his head no. Thoughts? 
thoughts i don't get to have thoughts at this point you would have thoughts i have i have never heard of super mario rpg have you not holy shit no Uh, so i mean the the two buzzwords that you're not gonna like is snes and rpg RPG. (laughs) it's a pick 16 bit rpg but the thing is i i love the paper mario series we tried playing Mm -hmm. thousand year door before and things didn't work out uh but that that game has such great writing and the humor is like actually made me laugh out loud. And its origin started with Super Mario RPG. Square Enix and Nintendo kind of at their prime and I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I was going to say it's a precursor to Paper Mario. So yeah. um, out of curiosity, just for those listening, um, what are the means of playing this? Is this on... Because Switch have like a virtual library console fin don't they? they have a couple of NES titles and stuff is it yes, on that un- unfortunately super mario rpg is not on the nintendo switch online people have been begging for it for a long time but it's not on there uh there's a couple of six people right. no people have been this game is wildly popular dude do not yeah. underestimate it's like God. this um, is what created paper mario and yeah. super mario 64 so so, yeah. so what you're saying is when i eventually say negative things about it people are going to be quite upset <laughs> great possibly good uh no but yeah so so unfortunately it's not on switch but if you have the snes the snes classic uh, it's available on that. If you have uh, a Wii U or a Wii, it's on that virtual console as well. If you well. have a computer. If you have a computer, you know, we just, you, you can figure out how to play it. That there way. may be a way to download it for not paying money and then running it. Which on we your do computer. not condone. We don't, we don't condone, condone, nor will that. we tell you how to do it. You can do your own research and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, Wii U, Wii Virtual Console. And if you have a SNES Classic, get it. I try to look up one. They're fucking expensive so I was like, well I'm not doing that well i got the ps1 classic and it was relatively cheap and then i looked at the snes and i'm like oh oh that's not cheap so i was like nope not doing that but yeah i i thought we needed some lightheartedness into this between the last uh, couple games we've been playing so that's valid that's probably good yeah okay okay change, change it up a little we had metal gear solid and then we had kentucky route zero and, and it's then, popular and yeah and it's then not, we it's had not kentucky route zero levels of uh seo tanking that <laughs> i've done super Mario rpg is always being talked about so people want that game back yeah there you go i'm excited i'm, I'm excited too excited. I've, I've i've never played this so. i'm hesitant and excited Opt- cautiously optimistic no not optimistic okay <laughs> I'm the, whatever the op- opposite of optimistic. I'm pessimistic. Cautiously pessimistic. Yes, I'm cautiously pessimistic. <laughs> okay, guys, that's all we have for today. Uh, go pick up Firewatch. We'll be, we'll be playing through that this week, and we'll talk about it on the next episode. And find a way to play Super Mario RPG, because I'm pumped for that. But like I said before, follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter at PlayAlongPod. Tell us your opinions, what you like. You know, Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, all that fun fun stuff. But you know, we'll see you Suggest next time. Suggest some games. Yeah, suggest some games. It was cool to have. I mean, I was stuck on a rut of not knowing what to choose, and I got it out because someone chose a game for me. So <laughs> give us some suggestions. Wait, how long is Super Mario RPG? It is like 20 hours. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to be like, it is 60 hours. No, Zelda was longer than that. Yes, but Zelda isn't a Mario themed RPG. Oh, Kai's such a bless. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll get through it, buddy. We'll get through it. Uh, yeah. I'm ready. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. All right. All right. Peace. Bye.